Right, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on such a great salvation and primarily we'll be talking about prosperity once again. I think this is our fourth week on prosperity. Uh, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and your offerings. And in case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website at lighthouseinsightmanship.org. The top right corner says give, it's highlighted in blue, and you can give them anywhere around the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks paid to the Lighthouse Insightmanship Center. And on the bottom footer of every page on our website is our mailing address. And if you're in the United States, just so you know, all of your tax contributions are 100% tax deductible, as we are a 501c3 church. Alright, so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our message this morning. We're talking about such a great salvation. Excuse me. We've been spending almost a year on this uh, topic, on this series. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, we know that we have a great salvation, and there's a lot to talk about. We have all eternity to talk about our salvation. We, we started several months ago, I think it was back in February, we talked about how Salvation is a gift. It's not something you can earn. It's faith in His grace. It's not grace alone. It's not faith alone. It's faith in His grace. And by definition, the word in both the Hebrew and the Greek, the word means wholeness. It, <coughs> excuse me. It means healing. It means prosperity. It means deliverance and many other things. And so people say self, uh, prosperity is not part of the gospel. Well, the word salvation itself in both the Hebrew and the Greek, is defined as prosperity, among any, many other definitions of that word. We talked about the purpose of salvation. We talked about how, how the purpose of salvation is not going to heaven and avoiding hell. No, those are benefits. Those are great benefits. Yes, there is a heaven, and yes, there is a hell. There's a hell for those who reject Jesus Christ, and there's a heaven for those who receive Jesus Christ. Okay? But that's not the purpose. The purpose is for that you have a relationship with God. Even if there was no heaven and no hell, and there is, God, Jesus still would have died on the cross so that you could have a relationship with God. Without Christ, you were alienated from the life of God. You were an enemy of God. And so Jesus had to come to restore that relationship that Adam lost to the fall so that we can be in right relationship with God. That's called righteousness, and, and that's why Jesus died. God wanted a relationship with us. Okay? And what the best thing about heaven is God is there, and the worst thing about hell is God is not there. Okay, then we talked about the necessity of salvation. And then we went on and we've been talking about the benefits of salvation for the last several months. Okay, and under the umbrella of the benefits of salvation, we had a mini-series on talking about the benefits of salvation, how it relates to wholeness. And then we had a mini-series talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to healing. And now we are in our final mini-series on the subject, talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. Okay? And we're now in our fourth week on prosperity. <coughs> Excuse me. And I know, and I've said this again, and I'll keep saying that every week, I understand the word, the term, the concept of prosperity. Finances is a sore subject with many people. Okay? Especially when it's coming from a pulpit. Some people disagree with this. Okay? That means we need to talk about it, okay? If there's something that's going to be a sore subject, we need to doc talk about it. We need to deal with it. We need to find out what the Bible says about something, not what man says, okay? 
I'm not interested in what your opinion is. I'm not interested in my opinion on it. I'm interested in God's opinion on any subject, including the subject of finances. Okay? And so, well, as we're talking about uh, salvation, we're also talking about um, the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. Okay? And so, uh, as we're talking about prosperity, we're talking about God's blessing in our lives. And we're going to look at several scriptures this morning and how God wants to bless our lives. We're also talking about God's covenant with his people. Okay? We're not just talking about finances, but we're also not going to exclude finances either. We're talking about the blessing of God in our lives, and we're talking about God's covenant with his people. And so we're still talking about the benefits of salvation. There's many benefits. We're not going to be able to touch them all in this series because I could preach to eternity and through eternity, and that still won't cover them all. The bot, you know, really the subject, yes, we're talking about prosperity, and prosperity, again, it's not just finances, but it also doesn't exclude finances either. Okay? I could change the subject, take finances and prosperity out of the equation, you know, not mention that word, and this message is really about trusting God. It's really about trusting His grace. It's trusting His word. It's trusting God for everything. <coughs> Who's your source? You, your job, your employer, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, the government? Are you kidding me? I mean, and so, who are you trusting? God's your source. God's your provider. He's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Jireh. He Jehovah Shalom, your peace and your provision. That's who God is. And some people ask me, do you believe in prosperity? Yes, because I believe in God. God, you cannot take prosperity and separate it from God. Because then you're saying, he's not Jehovah Jireh. He's not Jehovah Shalom. He's not Jehovah El Shaddai. He's not El Shaddai. The almighty God, the many-breathed God, the all-sufficiency God. Yes, we're not yet are there dangers in finances? And yes, we're going to deal with that later on in our teaching. And so and the Bible says about that too. We're not worshiping finances. We're not, we're not magnifying finances. We're not magnifying prosperity. We're magnifying Jesus. We're magnifying the Word of God. So do we we'll say out okay? We're good? We also have to trust God with our, our, our health, as well as our wealth, and many other things. Our relationships, our marriages, anything that we have, anything that we are. We have to magnify God. We have to trust God with everything. And anything that's not a faith, trust, is sin. Anything that you're not trusting God in is sin. Okay? And so, it's not just the Big Ten. It's not just... Uh, things that we shouldn't do in our minds and our thoughts, stealing, killing, stealing, uh, destroying, uh, adultery and whatnot. Those are all bad. And so it's not trusting God. Anything that's not a faith is sin. Anything that you're trusting yourself or someone else as your source is sin. Nothing wrong with the doctor. Nothing wrong with medication. Okay? But if you're trusting the doctor and medication more than you're trusting God, something's wrong. Something's off. I can trust God to lead the doctor. I can trust God to bless me my food and my diet and different things. I can trust God in every area of my life. 
make decisions. And you're going to see my message today. I'm not talking about passivity. I'm not talking about just sitting on the couch and watching the world turn. There's a time for that. And me, there's some people that need, they need to get up and work. And there's some people that need to slow down and rest. I'm one of those people that needs to take a breather, take a break. I work too much. But some people don't work enough. Okay? And, 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 and I'll spend a whole hour or two talking about work later on in our teaching. I'm not going to go there so much this morning. Okay? But there's a lot of confusion and different opinions regarding prosperity. Everybody has an opinion. And you are entitled to your opinion. But I'm not interested in your opinion, and I'm not interested in my opinion. I'm interested in God's opinion. Okay? In all subject matters. And we can talk about any subject matter, and I will say the same thing. But we're talking about prosperity. We don't talk about it every week. We are talking about it in this series, so we have a, several weeks in a row that we're going to be talking about it. But we don't talk about it all the time. And in some ways, I don't talk about it enough. Okay? But, again, prosperity is more than just finances. But it's one of the main areas of prosperity. If, and I hate even saying it that way, because there's many areas, and we're going to see in today's teaching, there's many areas where prosperity is also connected to. I want you to prosper, prosper spiritually. I want you to prosper physically. I want you to prosper emotionally. I want you to prosper relationally. I want you to those who are married. I want you to prosper, prosper maritally, or parentally, or grandparently. Okay, I want you to prosper in your job. I want your job and business to prosper. I want things to prosper in your life, not just finances. Okay? <coughs> Excuse me. And so... <coughs> Excuse me. Several weeks ago, I said there's five things we're going to cover in this series. These are not the only five things that we're going to cover, uh, and we're going to we're going to kind of bounce back and forth between these five things. We're not necessarily going to go in a semantic order, and we have been dealing with the last two weeks. We've been dealing with these two. Last week, I started. Whoops, excuse me. I started jumping to point three, and I, I jumped the gun a little too fast. Um, but we're, and we're going to come back here. We're going to spend more time, and so. Uh, we didn't lose anything, I'll probably reteach some of the things I already taught. I want to spend more time on part two here. I really feel like I kind of jumped over that. Um, and so let's go to part two, why prosperity. And basically, let me just say it this way. Prosperity is a biblical truth. Okay? And again, with everything, we are going to trust the Word of God. And we are going to trust God's covenant. And we're not going to, but we're not going to trust the philosophies of man. There's many people who have talked about prosperity, finances, whatnot. And I'm not going to cover everything in this message, but this message is going to be a little different than any other message that I've ever taught. Because we're going to get into the Word of God. Uh, basically, I'm going to let the Word of God do most of the talking this morning. Is that okay? In other words, if you believe the Word of God, you believe it's God's will and plan for people to prosper. Not just financially, but also financially. Okay? And so we're going to talk, we're going to go from Genesis to the book of Revelation, and we're going to see what the Word of God says about prosperity. Okay? And we're not going to cover every verse in the Bible, but we're going to cover a lot of verses this morning. Okay? Some of these you need to write down. I'm not going to necessarily read all the context. And I could, I could do all, I, I don't have time to do that in one hour. I don't have time to do that in one message. But I'm going to get as much of the Bible into one message as I can. And then we're going to come back and we're going to look at some more things uh, in the few, next few weeks. Okay? Starting with Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. And these are not the only verses in this chapter that we can talk about. But 
in here God created mankind. He blessed them. The first few verses, I'm not going to write out the verses. I just We have covered them so many times. I'm going to just bullet point some things. But we will get into some scriptures in just a few moments. God created mankind. He blessed them. Blessing them is prosperity. Anything God's blessed. We're not just talking about prosperity. Okay, sometimes that change the word. If you don't like that word, change the word. God wants you blessed. And God wants you to bless others. Okay? If you don't like the word prosperity because it offends you, change the word. Okay? But God blessed man and he blessed them. And you're mankind, you're blessed. If you are a human, and there's only male or female, then you are blessed. Okay? He gave them authority. He gave them dominion. He gave them ability. He gave them a body that worked and functioned. Okay? He gave them animals and life. <coughs> Excuse me. Reproduce. Everything God created. Do you realize God created everything in man last? Man didn't have to float around in water for a whole day. Man did not just have to float with no gravity, no planet, no earth for one day. Man did not just have to exist in total darkness until he created light. God created everything. He said it was good. And then he created man. That's blessing. That's prosperity. There was no sin. There was no evil. There was no devil yet. Okay? Satan was still Lucifer. Okay, at, the, at, the, at this time. Okay? And so, he gave them every, the animal, the, every fruit, even the cocoa bean, even the coffee bean, even the lentil beans, whatever bean you like, he gave it to you. Okay? And then, and that, that's the blessing of God. And fast forwarding to chapter 12, Abraham, all these references, I don't have time, I'm not going to go through them all, we've gone through many of them already. We will probably come back to some of them later. God revealed himself to Abraham. God revealed his covenant of blessing. We spent the last two or three weeks talking about this. God blessed Abraham, and Abraham became rich. You can find this in several different of these scriptures that I have on the screen. Uh, I think 13.2 uh, is one of them. Several scriptures talk about how Abraham was very rich in gold, silver, and livestock. Okay? In Genesis 26, we see uh, Abraham's seed was blessed too. Isaac, his, his son... Sowed in the time of famine. There was a great famine going on. And Isaac sowed. And he reaped a hundredfold harvest. And Isaac had great possession. And even the Philistines envied him in the time of famine. And there's many, we can go into a lot more detail with this. And I wish I had time. But my point I'm just saying that God blesses his people. And some of that blessing is financial, physical possessions. We can fast forward to Jacob. Jacob got involved in tithing. That was before the law. And Jacob became very wealthy. Okay? Joseph, Abraham's great-great-grandson, was blessed in his father's house. He was blessed in Potiphar's house. He was blessed in the prison house. He was blessed as the prime minister of Egypt. Joseph placed Israel in Goshen. And Goshen was the best of the land in Egypt. That's blessing. That's prosperity. That's God's covenant people who are blessed. And this whole family, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were all con artists. I mean, I can go to the stories how they con people. Okay, they were a con family. They were the mob family in many ways. 
Okay? I'm not saying they were totally evil or anything, but they were just, they were con, con artists. And they were blessed. Okay? We're not going to go there today. In the book of Exodus, it's also echoed in Psalm 105. How do we know that David and read all the Psalms? <coughs> we talk about how Israel left Egypt, taking all the silver, all the gold, all the livestock. Israel stripped Egypt. They plundered it. They took uh, the wealth of Egypt. That is prosperity. They didn't, there was none feeble among them. They were not poor. They, they did not just, yes, they wandered in the wilderness. They weren't supposed to. That was not God's plan. That was because of man's disobedience. And that's a whole other story. Okay? In the book of Leviticus, laws were made for Israel's good. Not because God's a stingy God. Not because God's a hard taskmaster. Okay? And when they obeyed his laws, they found great blessing. That's blessing. That's my prayer. When leaving in, and when they left, and this, I mean, I can go so many Levitical laws. When they left the corners of the field, and you can read about this in Leviticus 23, God enlarged their borders. And they were not only blessed, but they became a blessing. God blessed them more. It's a principle of the kingdom. Everything God created, he said, be fruitful and multiply. That's increase. That's prosperity. Okay? In the book of Numbers, we've seen that Balaam, <coughs> we, we Balaam came to curse Israel. He was hired, hired by Balaam to curse him. Ultimately, he blessed them three times. And I'm just picking out some stories. I, I, you know, there's so many stories, and, and, and I'm not going through everything in all these books. But in Deuteronomy, chapter 6, chapter 6 through 8, God told Israel to remember him. When they took possession of cities they did not build, orchards they did not plant, and houses filled with good things they did not build. That's blessing. That's prosperity. That's a covenant relationship with God. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, 28, the first 14 verses, God gave them a covenant of blessing and curse and the curses of the law. The first 14 verses are about all the blessings if you obey my voice. And the next several uh, verses are all the curses of the law. And if you read the book of Galatians, Christ redeemed us from the curse. And he promised to bless them if they chose life in Deuteronomy chapter 30. My point is, the blessing of God is throughout whole, the whole book, the whole Bible. And right now, we've, so far, we've just gone through the Torah. The five, first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Okay? And Joshua... And Joshua, Joshua took Israel to the promised land and divided the inheritance. There was an inheritance. He divided the whole inheritance among the tribes, among the people. And they were very blessed and prosperous people. Caleb himself took the mountain where the biggest giants and the, the biggest fruits were. And you can read about that in Joshua chapter 14. In the book of Judges, and I can go through all the different judges, how God blesses people, but with God revealed himself to Gideon as Jehovah Shalom. And that, and, and me, and that means he is the Lord of our peace. He is, he's Lord of peace and our provider. That's what Shalom means. And the Hebrews, the Jews, they say Shalom when they, they greet you. They say Shalom when you go by. They're blessing you every time they, they greet you and, and send you off. They're saying, the Lord be peaceful. 
and put your video provider. There's much more to the shalom that I, I can teach on right now. Gideon let Israel take back their inheritance. God gave it to them in the book of Joshua. They took God gave it back to them in the book of Judges to Gideon from their enemies. They can read all about that in Judges 6 and surrounding chapters. In the book of Ruth, Boaz, who's a type of Christ, is about the, is about the right of redemption. And study all that in the, in the Hebrew. Ruth believed and saw great grace and blessing. Okay, I don't have time to read the whole story of Ruth right now. It's a beautiful story. Boaz purchased Ruth. And he brought her into a wealthy place of living. Ruth became the grandmother of King David. I will go back to this. Boaz purchased Ruth. Who purchased us? Jesus. He purchased us by his blood. And he brought us into a wealthy place of living. Okay. Ruth became the grandmother of King David. And the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus. If you go down the whole genealogy. Okay. Boaz protected Ruth before she even knew who he was. And just as Christ provided for us and protected us before we ever knew him. Jesus died on the cross before you ever knew him. Okay? Part of the redemption is provision. And you can read all about this in Ruth chapter 2. In 1 Samuel. So much I can talk about in 1 Samuel about not only Samuel himself, but also David and also King Saul before he, he turned foul. But when Samuel was about to anoint King Saul to be the first king of Israel, Samuel took Saul and his servants into his parlor, his kitchen, where he had 30 people seated. That's some kitchen. Again, you might think I'm pulling strings, but I'm just trying to paint a picture in Scripture that there's blessing. God's people are blessed. Samuel did not have some dinky kitchen. Okay? And I'm not against you if you have a dinky kitchen. Okay? I'm just saying, God's people are blessed. There's provision here. There's blessing here. Okay? God is a God of more than enough, not a God of just enough. Are not enough. Okay? In 2 Samuel, we see that David purchased the threshing floor and sacrifices for Aram, Rana, for an offering to the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me, with 50 shekels of silver, almost twice the price for a slave. There's so much I can, I, I don't know why I picked this story. But again, you know, I just, uh, and there's so much to this threshing floor I wish I had time to teach on this. So it goes all the way to the cross. It goes all the way to the birth of Jesus. Okay? And there's so much that I can talk about this. But David had provision to pay for this. David had, and again, some of these things are just showing the, the, the awesomeness of our God, the provision, the faithfulness of our God. In First Kings, we have God promised to give Solomon riches and honor like none before him. Because Solomon asked for wisdom to fulfill his call. Silver became so abundant, it became piled in the street that they gave, they gave up counting it. Can you imagine having so much silver that you just you don't even have time to count it? You got so much gold and other precious gems that silver is just like pennies now. I mean, sometimes we don't even have time to count a penny. Okay? And then when Sherry and I first got married, we, we were uh, still engaged and we were. We were Planning on having a honeymoon, we're planning on going to Hawaii. I had saved up all my coins for the longest time, and I had a 
flat tire and I had to go get new tires and we had to make a decision. Do we go on a honeymoon after we get married or do we buy tires? And we were at a Goodyear store. Oh, I never put on tires. Me, us and the cashier were counting the coins. And it, they actually fixed the car before we finished counting the coins. We had that many coins and we were able to buy four new tires uh, for our car. We couldn't go on a honeymoon and the guy worked all that out later. But my point is, uh, I mean, it just, uh, it coins can't pay much. Well, we got four, four cars and four tires in the car, you know, and uh, anyway, take that away of its worth. In 2 Kings, okay, we have a widow asked the prophet Elisha what to do because her husband had left her in debt when he, when he had passed away. And the creditor was coming to take her, her, her sons as slaves. That's just how it worked back then, okay? until she received a miracle of increase by the, what we call the widow's oil. And there's a whole story about how I thought about last week. We can go even back to Elijah, where Elijah also, uh, that the, 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 again, another widow, where the flour and the oil did not run dry. Okay? These are all miracles of increase, supernatural increase. In this case, it was a payoff in debt. And her husband, she just inherited that, that, that debt. When her, her husband passed away, but she needed a miracle. And God gave her a miracle of increase. Just use some oil. Okay? She had to do some things to for that. Okay? And she used it to pay off her debt and she lived off the overflow. It wasn't a miracle just to pay off the debt. Now you gotta figure out how to get by. No, God is God of more than enough. He will help you pay off your debts so that you have an overflow to live off. In 1 Chronicles, David took 400 men who were in debt, distressed, and discontented, and David became king of Israel. And at the end of his life, <coughs> David gave a personal offering, which is over $4 billion in our, in our, in our currency today, for the building of Solomon's temple. It, this was not a law. This was not a tax. This was out of his own personal money. David gave a $4 billion offering. And then following David's offering of $4 billion, his mighty men, the same 400 men who were once in debt, gave an additional offering over $5 billion. Okay, David was a man after God's own heart. We can read about that in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Okay, that's what. The Psalmist's temple was not built on tax. It was not built on the laws tithe. It was built on a free will offering by David and his men after their contributions. Okay. In 2 Chronicles chapter 9, the queen of Sheba became, came seeking Solomon's wisdom and was overwhelmed by it. She gave him gold and abundance. She gave him precious stones. You can read about that in 2 Chronicles 9.24. And Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. Did some not become his downfall? Yes. The, 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 the wisest man, the richest man, has some follies. Okay? He wasn't very wise in some areas. Okay? Um, anyway, I'll, I'll let that go for now. But, Sacrifice 20. Israel faced a battle with insurmountable odds. And in the second part of 2020, Jehoshaphat says, "Believe in the Lord your God, and you will and you will be established. Believe His prophets, so you shall prosper." Okay, 
Israel, again, faced battle with an insurmountable odds, and Israel won a stunning victory that day with the worship team on the front lines. Okay? We can fast forward to 2 Chronicles 31. And the king Hezekiah received an offering for the restoration of worship and had plenty left over. Okay? Again, I'm going through these fast. I know we're not going deep. We're going to give some deeper ones in just a few minutes. But I'm, just, I'm going book by book from Genesis to Revelation telling you how God has prosperous people. Okay? There's blessing. Okay? I'll, I'll spend more time on that in just a few moments. In Ezra. Ezra prophesied of the rebuilding of the temple. The leaders gave over 8,000 8, ounces of gold. That's about $101.5 million. They gave 5,000 pounds of silver. That's about $2 million for the rebuilding of the temple. Okay? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah was, received no wages being the governor of Jerusalem for 12 years. He didn't receive any wages as governor. But during the rebuilding of the wall... Nehemiah fed over 150 people a day. Okay? That was one ox and six choice sheep every day for 150 people. And at his own expense. Okay? For 12 years. Nehemiah was a prosperous man. He had no income. And yet, for 12 years, he fed 150 people a day to rebuild the wall and whatnot. Okay? Esther. Esther was a Jewish orphan, became queen of the media Persian Empire, okay? Largest empire in the history of humanity. And in the end, Mordecai, Esther's uncle, became governor and sought the wealth of the people, spoke peace to the seed of the Jews, okay? And Esther was given the house of Haman, okay? And Haman paid $165 million to bribe to destroy the Jews. And Esther got the house. Okay. Again, God, I can, I'm going story after story after story. I'm not going real deep right now about God's blessings on his people. And that some people will teach against prosperity. Job. Job was attacked by Satan. It didn't come from God. It came from Satan. Read Job chapter 1 and 2. He lost his health, wealth, and his family. And by, in the end, he forgave his friends. He didn't have very good friends. <laughs> Okay. I like Eliab, though. Um, and he forgave his friends and found grace, and God restored his family and his wealth. You can read about that in Job chapter 42. And Job started out as the richest man in all of the East. But you read about, and when you read the end in Job chapter 42, he ended with twice as much. Job had seven sons and three daughters. Job lived 140 more years. He got to enjoy his ten kids for four generations. After all that junk he had to go through. Okay? And he had twice as much in wealth and twice as much in his family. And he lived on another 140 years enjoying it. Okay? Now we're trying to get, get some scriptures of Psalm. Psalm 512. And I'm not going to hit all the Psalms talking about the blessing of God. But for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with your favor. And you will. And you will. Compass him as with a shield. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. We none of us are against prosperity, but we're against him being our shepherd, being our provider, being our protector. See, prosperity is not just provision. It also includes protection. Okay? And so, 
Psalm 23, verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Not the absence. We might have enemies, but God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Psalm 34, 10 says, They who seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. When God is our shepherd, when God is our God, we shall not be in want. That's prosperity. That's blessing. That's a covenant blessing. Psalm 35, 27, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Yes, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Let God be magnified. We're supposed to say this continually. Let God be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And again, prosperity is not just finances, but it also doesn't exclude it either. Psalm 37, 25. I have been young, and now I'm old, and I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. That is provision. That is a promise. The righteous will never be begging for bread. Psalm 36, 26 says, how his seed is blessed. In Psalm 66, verse 12, it goes on to say, we went through fire and through water, but you brought us out into a wealthy place. Psalm 67, 5 and 6 says that the people praise you, and then the earth shall yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. And there's more. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. And that's what we're talking about. Such a great salvation. Selah. Okay? Selah means think on this. Meditate on this. Okay? Uh... Psalm 103, verse 5 says, Who satisfies your mouth with good things, that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Okay? One of our benefits, and I wish I had time to read all Psalm 103, okay? But we bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who heals all of our diseases, who gives us of all of our sins and trespasses. I got that out of order. But he also he satisfies your mouth with good things. Fruits, veggies, if you like them. Okay? Uh, chocolate, coffee, whatever you like, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's prosperity. Your youth be renewed like the eagles. It's prosperity. <coughs> me. Living a long life is prosperity. Okay? He goes on to say, He increases people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. That's blessing. That's prosperity. Psalm 105, verse 37, He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble, poor, sick person among them, among the tribes. I added the words poor and sick to explain that. Okay, perhaps or mine. This is talking about the Exodus. This is them talking about them coming out of Egypt. Okay? They came out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble, one who was poor, one who was sick among their tribes or among their families. Okay? He blessed he blesses them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffers not their cattle to decrease. Okay? Cattle is their livestock. Cattle is their provision. They lived off cattle. Not only, okay, for many different reasons. They were multiplied. They, they were increased. They were blessed. Psalm 112, 2 to 3 says, His seed shall be mighty on the earth. The generation of the fresh read less. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. I'm just getting started. Psalm 115, verses 12 to 15. The Lord has been mindful of us. 
He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord will increase you more and more, you and your children. Psalm 122, verse 6 and 7. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They, and how we know there is a new Jerusalem. Okay, anyway. They shall prosper who love you. Peace be in your walls and prosperity in your palaces. Psalm 123, verse 3. It goes on to say there, the Lord commands his blessing. He commands his blessing, even life forevermore. Okay, and we talked about the commanded blessing of God in previous uh, lessons. Psalm 145, verse 16 says, You open your hand to satisfy the desire of every living thing. Again, these are not, I, there's so many more psalms I could go. We would be here for hours if I went through every psalm. I mean, Psalm 119, the longest chapter and psalm in the Bible. Every verse is talking about the blessing and prosperity of our God. Okay, Proverbs. And the, one thing about the book of Proverbs Book of Proverbs was written by Solomon, the richest man, the wisest man. But the thing about Proverbs is they work for you whether you are saved or not saved. The book of Proverbs is impartial. Okay? The book of Proverbs will work for you even if you're not a Christian. Some might not agree with that, but that's what the, how the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, they are, they are just, they're Proverbs. Okay? That's what a proverb is. Okay? It's not based on uh, someone's relationship with God, they are just, it's how it works. It's how the earth spins. It's just how it works. <coughs> Proverbs 8 21 says that I may cause those who love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. Proverbs 10 22 says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. We spent some time on this. We'll spend more time with this verse later on. Proverbs 11 24 25 says there are those who scatter and yet increases. And there are those who withhold more than is sufficient, but it tends to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he who waters others shall be watered himself. You know, this proverb, these two verses here, work but not only on an individual level, but they also work on a corporate or a national level. If we if we give, we'll see increase. But if we withhold more than is sufficient, you know, there, we've talked a lot about uh, there's a, um, what's the term called, you know, third world countries. Well, there's two world, uh, there's second world countries. And those are countries, they have enough, but they withhold more than sufficient. And their people are sub suffering in poverty, not because they don't have enough, because, but they're withholding, and it tends to poverty. Okay? And so, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he who waters others shall be watered himself. God wants you to be blessed to be a blessing. Is it okay for you to enjoy some of that blessing? Absolutely. But it's not just for you. If you keep it just for yourself, it's selfish. And it will tend to poverty. You see, the, see, see, where, see where the manna can turn into worms if you leave it for the next day? The, the, the whole teaching of manna, going back to the Levitical law, it, it can work that way too. But but the liberal, the ones who is free, is, I mean, if, if you get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. Okay? That's one addiction that you can get addicted to, and God will support that habit. But if you're liberal, you shall be made fat. 
but in he who waters others shall be watered himself. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is made up for the just, for the righteous. Oh, there's so much here. I wish I had time to, to teach on this. Proverbs 14, 4. When, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. If there's no oxen in the stall, there's not, there's no work to do. <laughs> okay? But much increase is by the strength of the ox. And there's so much, even on that, you know, um, what I can go into. Proverbs 14, 23. In all, in all work there is profit, but the talk of the lips tends to poverty. I'm going to spend time, probably a whole hour or two, talking about work. I'm not talking about just being passive. I'm not talking about just being lazy. I'm not talking about some rich, get-rich scheme. I'm talking about the blessing of God. I'm talking about the covenant blessing of God. I'm talking about prosperity. But I'm also talking to some of us, we need to get to work. Okay? Some of you are too lazy. And I'm not teaching laziness. I will get it to it, but if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. <clears throat> you know, people come to me as a pastor at a church, and they want a handout. I may or may not give it to them. But if I give anyone a handout, I'm going to put them to work. I don't care what the work is. They can wash the car. They can pick up weeds in the ground. They can do if they, if they want a handout, they're going to go to work. Okay? And some people might not agree with that, but that's how I run. We're not just giving out free bucks. Okay? You're going you're gonna to earn that. You're going to go to work. <clears throat> and I'm not, I'm not just talking about being a busybody. Okay? But I'm also not talking about just, just panhandling other people for money. Okay? And so you need to work. You need to do something. Volunteer, do something. Okay? I will put you to work. If you don't want to work, then you don't want to eat. Okay? And so um, that's just how that works. And so I, I, that's what I support. I'm here to be a blessing. And I don't, I'm not talking about someone going through a hard time. I'm not going to, well, not, but some people have been going through a hard time too long. It's time to, to, to take your thumb out of your mouth, pick up your bo big boy pants and girl pants up, and get to work. I understand there might be a season of grieving. I might understand that something. That maybe something just happened a few few hours ago, a few days ago, but there's a time where we need to okay get over it. And I'm not trying to be insensitive here. I, I just don't have time to teach on this right now. But there's a time where we finally need to get over it and get back to work. Am I making sense? I understand we go through things. I understand there's a season. In the book of Christianity, says there's a time to mourn, but there's also time and there's a time to play. And it, but there's also time to work, and we need to get to work. I'll spend more time on that later. But in all work, in all work, even volunteer work, there is profit. But the talk of the lips, just talk, talk, it tends to poverty. All you're going to do is talk about it, and you're not going to do something, and it will tend to poverty. It, house, houses and riches are in the inheritance of the fathers. Proverbs 21.20, there is treasure to be desired, and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spins it up. Okay? Talking about investments. Talking about being a good steward. And we'll get into stewardship later as well. Book of Ecclesiastes. Same author. Says every man also to whom God has given, excuse me, riches and wealth. And has given him power to eat thereof. And to take his portion. Excuse me. And to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. There's so much in here that he's saying here. But working labor is a gift of God. Having work to do is a gift of God. He'll bless the work of your hands. Well, if you're not working, he has nothing to bless. Okay? He can't bless nothing. He can bless something. 
Okay? And every, every, again, every man who's, whom God has given riches and wealth has given him power to eat. He's given him the ability to eat. How do you eat? You work. Okay? Is God, who, are you the source because you're working? No. He's blessing the work of your hands. But he's not going to bless laziness. He's going to bless, give you the power to eat, the power to get wealth, which we talked about earlier, and we'll talk about it again, and to take his book and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Maybe you don't like it, John. Maybe you don't like I get that. But don't curse your field while you're there. Bless your field. Be faithful in the little things, and God will give you charge over more. Be faithful where God's planted you. Be faithful where you are. You might not totally like it. You might not totally agree with it. But get the work. You have the power to eat. And it's labor. It's a gift of God. Bless your business. Bless your employer. Bless your landlord. Bless where you are. Bless it. And God will give you more. Be a blessing while you're there. <coughs> Excuse me. Joseph was a blessing in Potiphar's house until he got promoted. He was a blessing in the prison house because he got betrayed and he got taken advantage of. Then he blessed it while he was there and he finally got promoted to the palace. Okay, Daniel, was a, he was a captain. He was a POW. And he was a blessing to four kings, three empires over his lifetime. And God promoted him time and time again. Be a blessing where you are at. It might not be your final resting place. It might not be what you like. It might not be ideal. You might find some, some things. Was there some wickedness in Potiphar's house? Was there wickedness in, in the palace? Was there wickedness in the jailhouse, I'm sure? Was there wickedness in these three, four, three empires and four kings of Daniel? Yes, but he was a blessing while he was there. Okay, and so be a blessing. Did, did, did Jacob not be a blessing to Laban? And Laban changed his wages how many times? Okay? Be a blessing while you're there. Okay? You might not like it, but rejoice in the, his labor. It's a gift of God. God will give you the power to eat. He will bless you. How much did God bless Jacob, even though he was taken advantage by Laban? Okay? The whole message and all that. The Son of Solomon, same author, says, it, it talks about, it speaks of the coming of the king. And he, king, it's talking about a natural king, but how many know we have a king? Who is coming again? And he made the pillars thereof of silver, the bottom thereof of gold, the covering of the purple, covering of purple, the mist thereof being paved with blood for the daughters of Jerusalem. See, it spoke of the coming king. Ultimately, Jesus will come as <coughs> excuse me, will come as our king, and he will reign in wealth, and he will reign in power. We'll see his. We'll see what his palace looks like in the book of Revelation when we get there. In Isaiah, Isaiah 54 speaks of the blessing of the new covenant. It speaks of the cross, okay? And he says, I will lay your stones with fair colors, and lay your foundations with sapphires, and I will make your windows of a gates and your gate of carbuncles. Okay, anyway, I look at my wife who is my dictionary, and all your borders are pleasant stones, okay? Again, I, I can spend a lot more time on all these things. That's not my point in this message today. My message, God, the, the Word of God, the Bible, is filled with prosper, prosperous and abundance, goodness, greatness. I mean, there's some precious things here. I don't even know what they're called. 
but I know they're beautiful, whatever they are. Okay, Isaiah 61 says, speaks of the future glory of the coming kingdom and the people of God. See, some of these things are not just finances, they're just beautiful. Okay? For your shame, you shall have double. That's prosperity. You can have all the money in the world, but if you're in shame, that's poverty. From a different point of view. Okay? And for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion there. They're up in the land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be to them. They shall have double instead of shame. And, 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 and uh, other portion, in the land they shall possess the double. There's double. And you, you can read, there's a lot of scriptures, especially in Isaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the prophets, talk about when God blesses, he blesses double. Look at Job. He was blessed double at the end of the story. And he got to enjoy that double for 140 years. Okay? Isaiah, going back to Isaiah 1, if you are if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Again, just this goodness, this blessing. If we trust God, if we obey God, it's trusting Him. Oh, trusting Him is obeying God. Okay? You will eat the good of the land. God says, if you're my kids and you trust me, you obey me, I'll bless you. Okay? That's Old Testament. That's New Testament. And it, it shall be a name of joy. Jeremiah 33, excuse me. A praise and honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear of the, all the good I do unto them, and they shall fear and tremble for the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure to you. God's telling his people that the world is going to fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I do to you. In, the, in many of these books, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, gloom and doom in here, too. God's bringing judgment. But when God says he restores, and here he's talking about his restoration, in some of Isaiah that we read, he's talking about his restoration, there's a time that he did punish them, but he said, I'm going to the world's going to see you, you were a desolate place, but now you are like the Garden of Eden. You are the Garden of Eden. And so, now, how do we apply that to New Testament? Well, Christ died for us. God's not going to bring gloom and doom on you because he brought gloom and doom on Jesus on your behalf. Okay? God's not judging America. God, like God judged Sodom and Gomorrah and other nations. Why? Because God judged Jesus. However, if you go back to the story of Balaam, Balaam blessed Israel three times. And you can read this in, in some of the, uh, I think Jude talks about this, and there are a couple other places in the New Testament. I don't have that on top of my mind right now. But Balaam could not curse Israel. But Balaam did tell Balak how Israel could, in a sense, curse themselves. And he got them, he basically got them to uh, lust after some foreign, foreign women, and they committed fornication, and they began to destroy themselves. I believe it's called the Arab Balaam. And see, a lot of what's going on in Israel, I mean, America and other countries today, is not God judging us. The Bible says if you 
uh, if you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you'll reap corruption, not of God. If you sow beans, you're going to reap beans. And so a lot of America has been sowing the wrong seed, sowing to the flesh, and of the flesh, sin will destroy you, and God doesn't even have to lift a finger. Okay? America is destroying itself. And the church has also been quiet. It's like a sleeping giant who has not been speaking up, who has not been preaching righteousness, who has not been preaching the truth. It's been quiet. And it's been quiet at the polls. It's been quiet in many different ways. And we're letting the world become the world. Or be the world. But Jesus is king. But I also believe there's a great revival coming. And in some churches, and in some circles, in America and even other countries, they're not, they're not participating in the recession. They're not participating in COVID. They're seeing revival. They're seeing people healed, saved by the hundreds and thousands every day. And that's where my focus is on. My focus is not on the world being the world. My focus on the, is on the church being the church. And my focus is on God. Okay? Anyway, I can teach on all of that. Uh, that's not my scope of my teaching today. But God's talking about how before all the nations of the earth, God said, I, the, the, they will fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I procure to them. The book of Lamentations, at the end of it all, he talked about the precious sons of, of Zion, comparable to fine gold, and how they are they esteemed as earthen pitchers at the work of the hands of the potter. This, this, book, this book that Jeremiah wrote called Lamentation, he's lamenting. But he's talking about the, he's the precious sons of Zion. and He's comparing it to fine gold and how they are esteemed by, uh, by the hands and the work of the, of the potter. This is prosperity. When God, who is our potter, makes us into a great people and blesses us, that is prosperity. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel saw the coming kingdom. He saw the temple of the eastern gate. Okay? And, 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 and saw in Ezekiel 47. And Ezekiel saw a revival, great revival as the, the river flowed from the, temp, from the eastern gate of the temple. And that, he saw a river that made everything live at a touch. It's called the river of God. Okay? And everyone who came to the water was healed. That's prosperity. This is ultimate prosperity, okay, receiving from the river of life. See, wherever the river flowed, people were healed. The trees, the, everything, everything was healed. Have you ever read this in Ezekiel 47? It's a beautiful, powerful story and vision that Ezekiel had of the blessing and prosperity of God. Also in Ezekiel 16, going backwards a little bit. Ezekiel saw those who God had a covenant with. Okay? And he says this, You were decked with gold and silver, and your clothes were of fine linen and silk embroidered work, and you did eat fine flour and honey and oil, and you were exceedingly beautiful, and you did prosper into a kingdom. This is a prophecy of the New Testament. This is a prophecy of us. Okay? And, and, and that... And, I can't go deeper with all of this. Let's go to Daniel real quick. Daniel received tremendous prosperity through the revelation God gave him. Daniel 
I mean, just the revelations that Daniel had, that no other one, there's only one other person who had some of the revelation that Daniel had, and that was John. Okay? That's prosperous. Okay? But Daniel ruled in three world empires under four different kings. I already talked about that. Okay? And Daniel 5, 29 says, when Daniel predicted the fall of the Babylonian Empire, Belshazzar clothed him with scarlet, that's red, and put a chain of gold on his neck, making Daniel the third ruler of the kingdom. That reminds me of Joseph. Okay? Hosea. Okay? Hosea showed that the best prosperity is through a revelation, a relationship of love. Okay? That God gives us, even when we don't deserve it, even when we don't want it, even when we, okay? It says in Hosea 2 8, For she did not, did not, didn't know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they had prepared for Baal. Hosea was a different type of prophet. He was, his life was an illustration of God's love for us, his people. Like Gomer, his wife, we've been wicked. Many of us have been wicked. But God blessed Gomer, his wife. Well, so many things. Like God has blessed us, not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. Okay? She was preparing it for Baal. But God, still, Hosea, still loved her. Okay? And even when people don't know God, God still loves us, and God will still prosper us. All good ultimately comes from God. Whether you are a believer or not a believer, all good ultimately comes from God. He's our source. Okay. In the book of Joel, Joel predicted the blessing of prosperity that comes from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we see saw on Pentecost. And we are still experiencing Pentecost to this day. Okay. To the, the threshing floors shall be full of wheat. That's prosperity. And bath shall overflow with new wine. That's prosperity. And oil. And so I will restore to you. Restoring is prosperity. It's not it's not destroying, it's restoring. Okay? And I can go into a lot of a lot deeper I have in previous messages. But God says that, that we He talked about the last days. That our threshing floor should be full of wheat. And our bath shall overflow with new wine. <coughs> is there a spiritual lesson here? Yes. But there's also a very practical lesson here too. Okay, and so God will restore to you all the years that the locusts have eaten. Okay, Amos talks about Amos prophesied of the impending judgment of God. A lot of these prophets, prophets were talking about impending judgment of God. And in the end, the word, he, gave, he gave a word of hope. And in Amos 9, 13 to 15, he says, The plowman shall overtake the reaper. That's backwards. And the treasure of grape, him who sows seed, and the mountains shall drop. Sweet wine in all of the hills shall met. See, Amos not only prophesied about the impending judgment of God, and in, in, in his last word in chapter 9, he gives a word of hope. He talked about how sowing and reaping will increase intensely with intensity and velocity in the last days. I don't know how to explain it, but in the last days, sowing and reaping will be magnified. It will be it will have greater intensity. It will have greater velocity. That is that is God saves the best for wine for last. 
Are there terrible things coming in the last days? Yes. But there's also a great revival coming. And there's also a great increase coming. Okay? It, it's coming from all sides. From the evil side. But it's also coming from all sides. From the good side. From God's side. We're going to see. I mean, evil is going to get. I mean, evil and it's just going to get horrendously wicked. But the goodness of God is also going to be increasing in the last days too. It's going to come from both angles. The harvest from our seed sown will come more quickly than before. See, see, when you understand seed time and harvest, you harvest in a different season than you than you reap, than you sow. We here in in, in uh, Camarillo, we have a lot of farmland. They will sow in one season. And usually one or two seasons later, they'll reap the harvest of that seed. But in Amos, he says, the plowman will overtake the reaper. Where the, the harvest will come more quick, almost instantaneously after it's been sown. That's supernatural. That's supernatural increase. That's not natural. That's not how God designed it. That's supernatural, but it's prophesied. It's a blessing. It's prosperity. It's supernatural increase in prosperity in the last days. Obadiah. When's the last time you saw Obadiah on the screen in any message that you heard? Okay? It's, a, it's talking about judgment to Edom. Okay? And who's Edom? They're the descendants of Esau. Okay? But on Mount Zion shall be... But, but on Mount Zion. But God. But on Mount Zion shall be deliverance. Who's Zion? God's people. His bride. Okay, his people. And there shall be holiness. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. In the midst of him talking about judgment to Edom, who are the descendants of Esau, God talks about blessing Zion, his people, with prosperity. Okay, and there's much more I can go into that. Jonah. Who's Jonah? He's a prophet who didn't want to be a prophet. Okay, Jonah was angry with God. When the people of Nineveh repented in response to his preaching. Okay? And God's reply to Jonah proves that he cares about the people and their possessions. In Jonah 4. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city where, wherein are more than 120,000 people who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also have much cattle? God had compassion for this wicked city of 120,000 people who can't even tell the right hand from the left hand, but they didn't have much cattle. God cares about these people. Okay? God cares about the world that is wicked. God cares about them. Okay? And Micah says, Arise at a threshold, daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron, and I will make your hooves brass, and you shall beat in pieces many peoples, and I will, I will consecrate their, their gain to the Lord and their substance to the Lord of the whole earth. See, Micah, possibly of the victory of, of, these, of the people of God, when, when they had won the victory. And God will consecrate their, their gain, their prosperity, to himself and their substance, wealth, to the Lord of the whole earth. Again, just talk, again, I'm just painting picture. Book after book of the Bible of the prosperity of God. Nahum. Nahum is a possibility of redemptive judgment to Nineveh. That's what... This is what after Jonah. Jonah didn't even want to say it. See, see, he wanted to see them destroyed long ago. Jonah wanted to be this prophet. Nahum, Nahum. Okay? To Nineveh. 
for, for, and but Nineveh rejected the mercy of God. Okay? And in the middle of the judgment, in the middle of the judgment, I mean, you can find this in the book of Leviticus, in the middle of God's judgment, God talks about his grace, his goodness, his mercy. He talked about who he is. And God declares his goodness in the middle of his judgment. God will protect and bless those who trust in him. <coughs> Excuse me, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Habakkuk, okay, writes his burden, his vision, his prayer, his burden is, why did the wicked overcome the righteous? That's what Habakkuk's crying out. Lord, I don't get it! Why are the wicked increasing, but we're struggling? Okay? And, but he has a vision. And Habakkuk 2, 11 says, for the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam out of the temper shall answer it. What's that supposed to mean? Who's the stone? Who's the stone? What's the timber? What is that supposed to mean? Well, Habakkuk saw Jesus, the stone the builders rejected. The cornerstone. Okay? Habakkuk saw the cross, the timber. God's ultimate provision for humanity. In the midst of all, well, what's going on? Well, God has something in the works. God has something that was brewing. And that is called the cross. That's God's, call, that's God's greatest possibility of redemption for mankind. Okay, Habakkuk 3.18, it says, Finally, Habakkuk chose to rejoice in the Lord and joy in the God of his salvation. Okay, no matter what the physical outcome, he was going to rejoice. Because it says here, yeah, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will joy in the God of my salvation. That's what we're talking about this morning, such a great salvation. Okay, Zephaniah. Zephaniah declares God's judgment on the wicked. In the middle of that judgment, he shows the promise of peace and provision to his people. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be as Sodom and children of Ammon as a Gomorrah, even the breeding of nettles and salt pits and a, and a perpetual desolation. The residue of my people shall spoil them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. I just love that. The remnant of my people shall possess them. Goes on to say in chapter three, verse thirteen, the remnant of Israel shall not shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies, neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed and lie down, and none shall be made them afraid. Yeah, there's so much I can elaborate on all that. I'm going through this kind of fast. In the book of Haggai, Haggai declares the glory of the wealth of the coming kingdom of our Lord. And I shall shake the nations, and desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Zechariah. Zechariah. There's possibly the future prosperity of the people of God. And for the seed shall be prosperous. The vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase. And the heavens shall give her dew. And I will cause the remnant of his people to possess all of these things. Malachi. Okay, maybe I've heard this before, but Malachi declares a promise of prosperity to those who are in covenant with God through giving and receiving. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove now, me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I shall not open to you the windows of heaven and pour out to you such a blessing that you will not 
so that there will be no room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer. Some of you need to devour, who devouring your provision to be rebuked for your sake. And you shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time and before her time, before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. There's so much here. There's so much here. I know this has been abused by some pastors and preachers through the years, but this is a promise. Okay? That God's going to open the store windows of heaven. That you're going to have such a blessing you can't even contain it. Okay? That the devourer is going to be rebuked. So that, that the fruits of your ground shall never... And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Some of you, you're not seeing prosperity because the fruits of your ground are being destroyed before you ever see them. And the fruit is falling before it's time. Some of you, like, it's everything, it seems like it's going good and then it just... Crumbles before you get to, 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 to enjoy the fruit. That's the devourer. That is not God. Okay? And so, God wants to bless your vine. God wants to bless you. God wants to make you such a blessing that all the nations should call you blessed. And you shall be a delightsome land. Okay? That goes with the book of Haggai. The desire of all nations shall come to you. See, I believe we live under an open heaven today because of the work of Christ. This is all old covenant, but Christ fulfilled the old covenant. Okay? Christ has taken our curse. And Christ has left us only the blessings. I'm running out of time, so I don't know if I'll get done with all this. Matt, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the same shall be added to you. He goes on to say in Matthew 25, 21, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have done, been faithful over a few things. I will give you, I will make you ruler over many things and enter into the joy of your Lord. I can spend more time on all these verses I'm sharing with you this morning. Okay? In Mark, and Jesus answered, says, Truly I say to you, there is no man who has left house, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or land, or for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. And he never says we won't have persecutions. Okay. And he does say we will be blessed. Look, for all these things do the nations of the world seek out. And your father knows that you have need of these. This goes with Matthew 6, 33. But rather seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. There's so much here I wish I had time to teach on this. Right now I'm just trying to go through the Bible and talk about how the Bible is full of the blessing and prosperity of God. John chapter 2, verse 1 to 11, Jesus, his first miracle the first miracle that Jesus had as the Son of Man was a miraculous miracle of provision. He blessed the wedding of, at Cana, and he turned water to wine, 150 gallons of liquor. <laughs> wine, okay? The governor of the feast said it was the best wine, and I bet you that would get, and I don't think they finished that whole 150 gallons that night. Someone took it home, okay? And so Jesus manifested his glory. 
and his disciples believed on him. I mean, not only was it a, a miracle provision for the wedding of Cana, but his own disciples saw the goodness of God manifested. I mean, you know, that, that just, I mean, they're just starting their ministry with Jesus. They're just starting their journey, their, their journey with Jesus. And this is how it starts. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, this is going to be good. <laughs> this is how, this is just the beginning. Okay. In John 6, 1-14, Jesus took a little boy's lunch, and he fed more than 5,000 people, 12 baskets left over. Both miracles, the wine and this, was more than enough. 150 gallons, are you kidding me? Okay? 5,000 people plus women and children and 12 baskets left over from a little boy's lunch. Okay? God is a God of more than enough. He can take your oil. He can take what you have to pay off your debts to feed the multitudes. He did it just really to please his mama, Mary. He didn't even want to start his ministry yet, but he, he honored his mama, and he did it. But I mean, it wasn't even something that had a lot of significance. It was just a wedding. And I'm saying the wedding is significant. But God is a good God. Okay, I'm waiting. It gets me excited. Acts. Agabus warned of a great famine. But the disciples, hearing of the dilemma, according to their ability, sent relief by the hands of Paul and Barnabas. And the body, see, the body of Christ has the power of eliminating starvation in the world. I could go into a lot of detail with this, and there's many other stories I could share in the book of Acts. Okay? But sometimes God will use people, the church, disciples, the apostles, to bless the people. There might be a natural thing going on, but sometimes God can warn you through a prophet something bad is coming so that you, the church, the body of Christ can team up together so that they don't have to go through starvation. God can use you as the church, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed to bless the families of the earth. God has made you, a, has blessed you to be a blessing. And God can sometimes tell you in advance what's coming so that you can be a blessing and not a dilemma. But sometimes God will use you to do a natural, practical, noble thing. Okay? It doesn't always have to be super spiritual. But it's also profound. Okay? Romans talks about the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Where is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation, we know in, in Soteria, it means forgiveness, wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance. Freedom. We talked about this several months ago. Okay? Provision is part of our salvation. Prosperity is part of the salvation that we are not ashamed of. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It goes on to say in Romans 4.13, remember the gospel is the power of God unto salvation? I know I didn't put the verse on the screen. Okay? But it reveals that the promise made to the seed of Abraham was by Christian faith. <coughs> Excuse me. Part of that promise includes physical prosperity. So he goes on to say, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto, 
unto all who call upon him. How beautiful are the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Okay, the good things of the gospel includes God's promise of provision. I wish I had more time. I'm running out of time. I'm actually overtime right now, like three minutes so far. So I apologize for going a little fast. But right now, this is just an overview of Scripture. I'm not going real deep, and I'm, I'm trying hard not to go too deep with some of this. And there's a time for that. I just it's not today, okay? But in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, 2, this is a part of the first day of the week. That's the first day of the week, Sunday. But it's a weekly thing. It's a perpetual thing. Let everyone of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when no gatherings when come. And I don't have time to teach it right now. I'll go into this a little bit later. Okay, when I talk about tithing and giving. But God in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, as Paul was setting, Paul and the apostles were setting the 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 boundaries and, and the rules for how the church should function. On the first day of the week, a regular giving, there should be a regular giving to God's people. And I'll go into this a lot later. Later, Some people don't think tithing is part of the new covenant that we're supposed to do free will offerings. Well, did you know that free will offerings are also part of the law? So, you're saying you obey some of the law, but you won't obey other parts of the law. So, so anyway, I'll get into that later. I don't have time to go there now. Okay? For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. This is one of our key verses. We spent time in it. We'll spend more time on it as we go later. But it's very cut and dry here that yet for your sake he became poor. Why? So that you through his poverty might become rich. Well, how does that work? I don't know how everything works. I just know it does. I know that Jesus became poor, he became impoverished, so that I can become rich. And I've already broke this verse, this verse apart. And some people, well, it's just spiritual blessings. That's not what the word says in the Greek. And in the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, two chapters, Paul is talking specifically for two chapters about money. He didn't change the subject just to appease your religious mindset. He's talking about money. Okay, he, Jesus, became poor so that you can become rich. He goes on to say, but this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every, every man according as he has purpose in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or in the necessity, but God loves a cheerful giver. I'll spend more time on this later, but God wants us to give cheerfully. Not sparingly, but give bountifully. Okay? So we'll talk about giving as we talk about sowing and reaping later as well. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. He goes on to say, have you noticed this is, have you noticed this is parentheses? Because I'm to say, now he who ministers seed to the sower, but ministers bread for your food, and multiply your seed, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, in the parentheses, being enriched in everything to, to, to all bountifulness, which causes through his thanksgiving to God. I wish I had more time on this. Okay? 
There's so much here, and I will spend more time because Paul has a lot to say about finances. He has a lot to say about giving. He has a lot to say about tithing. He has a lot to say about blessing one another. He has a lot to say about almsgiving. He has a lot to say about this. And I get people on Facebook all the time. The Bible doesn't say anything about giving in the New Testament. That's a bunch of junk. They haven't read the Bible. Okay? That's not true. That's lying against the Holy Spirit. Okay? Galatians 3, 8 and 9 says, Preach before the God. Preach beforehand. The gospel. The gospel is the power unto salvation. And God, and Paul says, that God preached the gospel to Abraham. What gospel did he preach? Saying, in you, you shall be, in you shall all nations be blessed. So then those who are faith are blessed with faithful Abraham, faithful believing Abraham. Okay? The gospel that God preached to Abraham was that you shall, in you all nations shall be blessed. Okay? Is there a spiritual blessing here? Yes, because in that seed is Christ. But that's not the only thing that's in that seed. Okay, there's a blessing. Can he said in Galatians 3.13, and we spent a lot of time with these verses already in Galatians. We'll spend more time. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, including poverty. Those are my words. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone who hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Okay? The gospel that was preached to Abraham was that we could be a blessing. Yes, Jesus became our curse, but he became our curse so that the blessings of Abraham might come on us. And he ends chapter 3 saying, if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He goes on to say in Ephesians, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, not just financial blessings, <coughs> but all spiritual blessings. Well, finances are not spiritual blessings, pastors. That's not true. You know, I've been reading you. I'm, I'm only in Ephesians so far, but I've started reading from Genesis all kinds of spiritual blessings, and a lot of them are financial. Not all of them, okay? And heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches that are in Christ Jesus. And I've shown you time and time again how God has met the people, his needs of his people, even in their worst condition, even in their sinful state. And, but more so when they obeyed and trusted in, in their God. God blessed people with his riches and all the riches are in Christ Jesus. Who worships Christ Jesus? Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And this Christ who lives in me has all the riches to meet everything I need. If I have a need, if you have a need, if even if he has to multiply a boy's lunch, if you have to multiply the widow's oil, if he has whatever he has to do, God, my God, shall meet your need and my need in Christ Jesus. He's El Shaddai, now El Chippo. He's the Almighty God. The Lord of God, the Lord of God. He's Jehovah.
Yehovah Jireh, each and all of us shalom. Okay, Colossians says, giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet, worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the signs and the light. He has qualified us for his best blessing in Christ Jesus. And the best blessing of all is receiving Jesus. But with that receiving Jesus comes everything else. Thessalonians says that you may walk honestly towards those who are without and that you may have a lack of nothing. That's the second Thessalonians, for even when we were with you, excuse, excuse me, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither shall we eat. I'll spend more time with this later. But we need to work. Because there's a blessing. Because I already read it from Proverbs. In all work there is profit, but the talk of the lips tends to poverty. God blesses us with work so that we have provision. Some of you are praying for God to meet your needs, but you're not willing to lift a finger. You're not willing to do anything. Get to work. It might not be what you want to do. You don't know how it's going to come out of this. I don't know if the widow fully understood how the oil was going to pay off her debts, but she did what the prophet said. She got all the jugs of oil, jugs she did, and she didn't ask questions. She just did what she was told. Get to work. Do something. Okay? Do what God, if you need to, cast the net on the other side of the boat. You might be tired, you might be discouraged, you might be fishing all night, got nothing, but Jesus is in the boat. And he says, cast out on the other side of the boat, do what he says. Get to work. Do something. He says, oh, bless the work of your hands. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to come from this, but I'm going to get to work. I'm going to trust my God, and God will meet your need. Okay? First Timothy says, charge them who are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, our trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things in joy. There's a warning here, and I'll get to this warning a lot deeper later, but we are not to trust in the riches. Okay? We're not to be high-minded in trusting in uncertain riches. But at the same point in time, He is our source who gives us richly all things to enjoy. He does give us things richly, but we're not supposed to entrust in the riches we're trusting in Him. That makes sense? Just because we're trusting him for riches doesn't mean we trust in the riches themselves. We're trusting him. If they are stolen, if they are lost, there's more where it comes from. Okay? We're not trusting man. We're not trusting ourselves. We're not even trusting our job. We're trusting him. Okay? Second Timothy says, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with you, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Which I have time to teach on this. But relationships. One way that God prospers us is through relationships. Paul had previously been separated from Mark over a difference of opinion. Now Paul asked for his Mark's companion as a minister. Paul determined that Mark was profitable for the ministry. Okay? I don't have time to teach on all that right now. But some of the prosperity God gives us is people. A team. Ministers. Partners in the ministry. Luke. Mark. Paul, Silas, Barnabas. These are all different people that God gave um, Paul in the work of the ministry. Sometimes God has brought people into your lives as part of God's prosperity and blessing to you. Okay? I don't have time to go into all that right now. Titus, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that you affirm constantly, that they who have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to man. 
living writ, living right leads to long-term prosperity. Okay? I wish I, I'm sorry for going fast with all this, but I'm trying to go through the whole Bible. By Lima says, which in times past was to you profitable, but now profitable to you and to me. To Philemon, Paul encouraged Philemon, a wealthy businessman, I always don't know who he is, he was a leader of the church, but he was a wealthy businessman, to receive anonymous, I don't know if I pronounce his right, name right, a runaway servant. Paul wanted to see that relationship here. I don't have time to go into all that right now. And Paul determined that Anonymous had become profitable to both them in terms of the gospel. Okay? So, you know, even as a business, you know your greatest asset is your people, your employees. And some of the greatest prosperity God has given you is your family and your friends and people God has brought into your lives, partners in the ministry. Okay? And so... Uh, and, and some of the greatest prosperities is for some people like Paul to come in our life to restore relationship between Philemon and Oninius so that they can work together for the sake of the gospel. Okay? I don't have time to go into all of that right now. But in Hebrews, where when God made promise to Abraham because he could, could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely blessings I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. James, but whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. First Peter, finally be of all of, of be all of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as a brother, and be pitiful, uh, be compassionate, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but count Contrawise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. I think I'm talking King Jamesy right now. I'm trying to talk fast, and it's hard to talk King Jamesy fast sometimes. Okay. Again, sorry for going through this fast. You can relook at the video later. First Peter three ten says, "For he who will he who will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips." That they speak no guile, they speak of deceit. You know, being prosperous doesn't mean that you're deceitful. Doesn't mean that you're mean. Doesn't mean that you are haughty. Doesn't mean that you are just nothing. No, loving life, being good, seeing the fruit of the spirit flowing through your life is a prosperous person. Okay. Second Peter, according to his divine power, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. Through him, we have all the things that pertain to life and godliness. That's prosperity. Everything you need for life is found in the knowledge of him. We have everything we need to do, everything God has called us to do. We lack nothing in Christ. First John, hereby proceed we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother having a need and shuts his heart of compassion from him, how well is the love of God in him? We are blessed to be a blessing. I can't help my brother if I don't have anything. But if I do have something, I can help my brother. And if I do have something and I don't have help my brother, then, 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 then woe to me. 
And we can't sell them something. I, I wish I could do that. I just don't have anything to help myself, let alone my brother. Well, we need to get into covenant relationship with God so that we can be a blessed, we can bless to be a blessing. And that's not a put down, that's just a matter of fact. You can't give something you don't have. So we need to believe the, the covenant of God, believe the salvation of God, we, we can be a channel of blessing to others. Okay? But if you have and you're not giving, then you're selfish. And if you're not praying that God give you more to help other people, then you're selfish too. Because you're like, well, I can get by. I'm buying with just a little. And all you think about is yourself. That's not the way, that's not, that's not how it works. And we'll get into that later. First John 3, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We not only receive the goodness of God, we also share the goodness he has shared with us. Second John, that was the last time you heard a message from Second John. I rejoice greatly that I found your children walking in the truth, as we have received the commandment from the Lord. Walking in the truth is prosperity, is blessing. And you as parents, grandparents, spiritual parents, you see your children walking the truth, that is prosperity, that there is no greater blessing than that. Third John says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Jude, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We are blessed with Jesus. We are blessed with faith. We are blessed with grace. We are blessed with his mercy. We are blessed with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And we are blessed with eternal life. And finally, Revelation. And the building of the wall of it was a jasper, and the city was pure gold, and like clear glass, and the foundation of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third uh, chalodoni, I can't pronounce it, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardox, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, and the tenth chrysoprase, and the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth I miss the twelve. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. I know I chopped some of those words up, okay? But it goes on to say, "And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him." Not only will the New Jerusalem be our eternal home, not only. Will the new Jerusalem be filled with, with unsurpassed beauty and wealth? But there shall be no more curse. And that's a blessing. Okay? The new Jerusalem will, be, will radiate the blessing of the Almighty. Yes, there is blessing and provision in every book of the Bible. And I didn't even, ha I didn't even have even done it fully justice in going through it all. But prosperity is a biblical truth. And we are going to trust the word of God. We are going to trust in the covenant of God, not the philosophies of man. And I could expand on everything I did. I didn't have time to read the context. That was not my purpose this morning. My purpose this morning is saying that the word of God is full of talking about the blessing and the prosperity of God. And I take it, again, I'm taking verses out of context, but my point is, in the context of the whole scriptures, I have put it all together. 
I can't teach this on one message. I can't teach the whole Bible in one message. I tried, and I struggled. I'm already almost 20 minutes over my time, okay? I apologize for that, but I'm trying to teach you the whole Bible. And we'll go back and we'll look at some different things. But the people say the Bible doesn't talk about prosperity. They have not read the Bible. We just did. The, we'll talk about the benefits of salvation with regard to prosperity. We'll talk about the benefits of salvation. We'll talk about the blessing of God in our lives. We'll talk about God's covenant with his people. We're talking about such a great, great salvation. It's not just about finances. Some of these verses I share with you didn't have to do with finances. It was just about the goodness of God. It was just about the blessing of God. Just about the favor of God. Just about the restoration of God. But there was a lot of verses that didn't talk about finances and provision and natural things. We are blessed to be a blessing. We're not blessed so that we are trusting in riches. We're not blessing so riches have us. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed because it's part of God's covenant with us. Okay? And we're going to get into a lot of that in the, little, in the weeks to come. Thank you. I'm way over time. i got to wrap it up. Have a blessed, blessed week. Thank you. God bless.